Well, the role of exports remain more important than ever here in Sri Lanka. How can exports lead Sri Lanka's economic revival, a greater economic journey for Sri Lanka, as we talk about the challenges Sri Lanka is faced in the face of uh, a, an ongoing pandemic and global and regional challenges? I've invited to our studios um, Chairman of the Export Development Board, Mr. Suresh Dimel. A very warm welcome to you and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Indi, very, thank you very much. I um, did start off saying, um, yes, there is a pandemic. This is something we have been talking about, the challenges we are faced with, and globally, how uh, the, the pandemic poses a severe threat to uh, trade and uh, exchange of goods and services around the world. And here in Sri Lanka, we've been talking about challenges, not just in terms of exports, but policy to support a greater uh, economic journey uh, which is led by exports. I'd like to start off there. Yeah, um, I, I would uh, first like to say that what we have seen over the last couple of years has been a resilient export uh, industry in Sri Lanka, which means that our, our exports can flourish mm -hmm. in spite of uh, global disruptions. Mm -hmm. So I'm encouraged because there are some new trends post-COVID mm -hmm. that augur well to improve Sri Lankan exports. Now policy frameworks, yes that's true. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that policy uh, helps um, uh, ex you know, export development and investor confidence and all that. I think consistent policy is, is more important. But that's something we've been talking for decades. Decades. Uh, regardless of the change of government. Yeah, I think what, what challenge, okay, let me uh, sort of, let's oversimplify this just for understanding mm -hmm. the, the situation we are in. Now we have uh, value-added exports, and we have commodity exports, okay? Now the policy for those two have to be different, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I it's sort of a matter of lobby, I suppose, of each entity mm -hmm. um, that gives policy that either supports um, commodity ex trading mm -hmm. or supports value addition. Mm -hmm. Now, if I was just asked what, what is a policy we need to have, I would say something that will make people add value. So does that mean our policy currently only supports uh, commodity trading and we don't look beyond that to well, uh, support value know, addition? It's, it's, um, it's the investor. Mm -hmm. The investor is in it for the short term, obviously. Mm -hmm. Because with the opportunity now, we have investors who have invested heavily in agriculture who are very successful. For instance, organic agriculture, I'm one of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have an opportunity in the global marketplace to be an outstanding producer or exporter of agricultural products and value-added agriculture products. One thing that has happened during the COVID is that people have been more made more aware of health food and there seems to be a trend of uh, 
superfoods and things like that, which are all available in Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. Clean food. Mm -hmm. Now with, with uh, His Excellency announcing Sri Lanka's commitment to organic agriculture, that sent one of the greatest uh, messages to the world. Because suddenly Sri Lanka got recognized for being an outstanding uh, country to, to be committed to, um, uh, to organic agriculture. Now, on the other side, Sri Lanka is ideally placed to be an organ organic, a, a, tr a trusted, reliable organic supplier. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm saying this is we are an island and we are blessed with fresh water, mm -hmm. uh, surface water, not that much, we don't have to depend so much on groundwater because we have enough rain where our soil is drained continuously, mm -hmm. right? And we can become a 100% organic island mm -hmm. and people will trust that mm -hmm. unless if we were landlocked and we had rivers flowing from other countries, right. then they won't trust. I mean, that's why, you know, many European countries were very excited and they are still hoping Sri Lanka can be that island because they want to lock up that clean food because people are willing to pay a lot more money for clean food if they can trust that it is. Uh, you're, you're an agricultural and environmental engineer by profession. Yes. Uh, you worked in the US for uh, more than a decade if yes. I'm not mistaken. But yes, this trend, th th this is great. But again, are we ready in terms of policy and uh, the, the infrastructure to move into it. What needs to be done here? Yes, we have a great plan. We have great policy now in terms of uh, going ahead um, in, in creating that organic environment for agro-based agro economy. But moving forward towards that, there is much of uh, infrastructure as well as other um, areas that we need to look at. So uh, in order to support the export industry as well, what do we need here? To support any industry, we need people to come together and work as a, a united force, okay? Things are going to be different. Now, for example, we have an outstanding apparel industry. If we look at the history of the apparel industry, one of the unique uh, advantage or advantages or KPIs, I guess, that uh, the apparel industry has is that they have a joint apparel associations forum, which is powerful, which mm -hmm. is reliable, which is trusted, and the industry, it's sort of one voice for the industry. Mm -hmm. This is critical. If we are, if government makes a policy to do something, it is very critical that we all come on that same page. Now in Sri Lanka, one of the things I have noticed in many things, that's why policy is every time you put something, you have to change it, that because there is an equal and opposite force. I mean, obviously there is different ways in which you can do something, right? There are different ways in which you can do everything. Okay, but if we come up with a policy, that means this is the way we are going to do it in Sri Lanka, then all of us have to pull together to go in that direction. If half of us pull in the other direction, then we are not going to go go anywhere. That's what I feel is happening in mm -hmm. this country. Mm -hmm. Whatever policy that we put out there, we must all rally around that. We have to rally around the government that is in power. Any, you know, any government, but any policy that is put out there first needs to be 
there has to be stakeholder consultation, of course, and we have to have that mechanism of uh, uh, collaboration. Mm -hmm. That collaborative effort needs to happen. Uh, last year, Sri Lankan exports consistently hit the $1 billion mark. Do you expect this uh, trend to continue, or are we expecting uh, a, a, a different scenario here in terms of our exports? No, in, in terms of our exports, yes, we will continue. We will continue this uh, trend. The numbers might change a little bit. Because Upward of or downward? Downward maybe in the short term mm -hmm. because of this forex crisis. Mm -hmm. Because I have a, a, a fear mm -hmm. that temporarily, you know, at this time, there is so much conversation about issues related to the forex crisis. Now, the sooner we can get out of that, the better. But even for exporters, they have issues. So my feeling, my, my, my fear is that exporters who have who need dollars mm -hmm. to keep their exports going may not bring the dollars to Sri Lanka, may spend the dollars outside so that the revenue value, the top line that comes to Sri Lanka might reduce. Mm -hmm. But the exports at the end of the day will go. Hmm. The same hmm. amount of exports will go. Right. But you know that it will be more sort of a net foreign exchange as opposed to be as opposed to the the gross I mean the, the understood the top line yeah. right also uh, mr. Demel we're talking about Sri Lanka's export share uh, in, in the global market a uh, global the the volume of uh, exports and good of, of goods and services globally uh, was 22.4 trillion uh, US dollars in 2020 South Asia alone 580.7 billion US dollars in 2020 but then Sri Lanka uh, at the end of uh, 2021, it was 11.1 .1 billion. This is by November, I think, these figures. Again, um, I think in recent years, 2019, we saw close to 20 billion US dollars. Yes, during a pandemic, we see an improvement of exports year on year. But yet, in terms of grabbing that, that uh, the potential in this global volume of trade or even exports of goods and services, what do we need to go to do that, we see Bangladesh um, improving. Uh, yes, Bangladesh is a bigger uh, uh, market. Our per capita is uh, better than Bangladesh, but we see Bangladesh attracting more investments. They have a more investor-friendly policy there. And Sri Lanka somehow uh, seems to have lagging areas which need to be urgently addressed if we are going to talk about exports leading uh, the revival of the Sri Lankan economy. Yeah. Actually, we, I think, blow things out of proportion in mm -hmm. Sri Lanka a little too much. Mm -hmm. Now you compared Bangladesh. I don't think Bangladesh is easier to do business in than Sri Lanka, but the big difference is the labor force. Mm -hmm. Now we, the only reason we can, Bangladesh is a huge country with a huge labor force, so that we, we can't compare the numbers at all. But if we talk about growth, then you look at Sri Lanka, every factory today ha has a lack of labor. Every factory, every exporter, every good exporter has more orders than capacity mm -hmm. because of labor. Mm -hmm. right? On the other side, 
our supply chains of agricultural products and plantation products, we see the lack of uh, empowerment at that level of, of uh, us not adding value mm. and farmers now wanting to export directly from the farm. That's not the way it should be done. We should be part of a bigger value chain, a better value chain, right? And we need to move up. So my feeling is we need to do something to encourage investors to go into exporting and create a hype. Mm. Now for many years we haven't had any sort of a focus or celebration of exports. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, I think for investors to go in somewhere, there needs to be some kind of celebration. If we only see negative, now we're talking about agriculture. Mm -hmm. Now people may be scared to invest in agriculture today because of this recent uh, situation. Mm -hmm. Now for me, I still tell people, agriculture is, I mean, if you go around Sri Lanka, you see how many bare lands there are, mm -hmm. how, much, how much unproductive land there is around Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. You know, I see, now I, studied in California in a desert where they grow rice, right? And their productivity is so high. Now in Sri Lanka we would say we have floods, we would say we have a drought, which is not a reason in a country like Sri Lanka that is so diverse and anything can be grown. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we have found a scapegoat in policy and in governments and things like that, but the investors are only in it for short term. More, if we can encourage investors to go for the long-term investment, what do we do to encourage investors in order to uh, stimulate Sri Lanka for that long-term journey? I think now, now, now you have uh, hit the nail on the head in a way. I mean, this is my biggest. I've been grappling with this for years, from day one since I started investing in projects and all. I used to wonder why aren't my colleagues doing the same, right? And I remember when I invested in Tangol. Mm -hmm. People said, why don't you invest in Horan? Why do you want to go all the way to Tangot, right? But then th there's so much more opportunity around the country, right? But that's not what happened. There weren't enough people who went and invested in our rural areas. So we had a huge drain of labor. I have seen that happen in these 30 years, in Nambantura district, for instance, mm -hmm. where we have lost a lot of labor who have left the country. And they are lining up to leave the country. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason is because they think that other countries are so much better than Sri Lanka, which they are not. I mean, if you can, I've worked in several countries around the world or been acquainted with many countries around the world. I don't think Sri Lanka is any worse than any of those countries, including the US and the UK, where I worked, I was employed in both those countries. So I, I just feel like we make a mountain out of a molehill and these people who are not aware of global situations think that Sri Lanka is the worst place on earth. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm actually seriously frustrated about that because I think that's why people are leaving this country. It's because they feel that Sri Lanka is like a lost cause, which it isn't. Maybe we need that <laughs> celebration. Maybe yeah. we need to talk about um, the, the, the positivity that uh, uh, we see and have in Sri Lanka, which is what we do uh, during our programs to talk more. But again, I think there is more of a reassurance that is also needed for the people. Uh, let's talk about exports, how we can reassure uh, Sri Lankans, this, this journey towards prosperity. Uh, we've been talking about a manufacturing-led economy, and that too, um, we have to link it with exports, and exports-driven uh, industry there. Uh, what are we doing here going beyond 2022 and 2025? What is the ideal policy, as you say, for us to target that revival? 
Yeah. Uh, whatever we can do to help people add value, mm -hmm. okay? Incentivize value addition. Because when what is happening is, you know, there are market segments in the world that we have to target. We either go for the Lamborghinis in the world mm -hmm. or the Marutis in the mm -hmm. world. Unfortunately, I feel like we are going to the bottom end, where there is quick money, but little bit, right? Where if you go to the Lamborghini market, there's a lot of money, right? But you have to have a quality product. And the way to do it is you go to those markets and have that money go down to the producer, right? Today, what is happening is we cannot, you know, it's not enough. The producer isn't getting, that the labor isn't getting enough money. Now garment factories and all, they are, right? They are earning very good money. Our, our productivity being relatively low, we are still doing much better mm -hmm. um, in, in uh, some industries. That's because there is a hype. There is a hype for those industries. People in, say, hey, yeah, we are working in a garment. They need to be proud of working in mm -hmm. it. Now we have cultural issues also that make people not want to work in places like that. So, okay, there are other industries. For instance, the electronic and electrical goods manufacturing. Those can give a higher amount of salaries for the labor. So that's an industry that we can, and we are uh, focusing on. It's part of our national export strategy mm -hmm. that we are working on. And I think there is a lot of opportunity for growth. And, and in this region, there is a huge demand being created mm -hmm. because, uh, because of India next door and, and all the IT products that are being manufactured in. So we are, you know, be part of this value chain. Okay, so this the value chain integration. So we, we become parts of upmarket value chains. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd also like to uh, ask you a few statistics. Where you expect Sri Lanka to uh, end this year? I think we, I, I was talking about 2020, uh, 2021 up until November, we have the figures uh, 11.1 yeah. billion US dollars. So yeah. December, I think we have provisional figures yet. Yes, we have almost approached. We mm -hmm. are a little below uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. Okay. But we have done much better than 2020, of course. Yeah. And uh, 2022, uh, where, where do you expect the figures to... Uh well, I like to see, I mean, we were talking about plantation mm -hmm. and agriculture and all that. I like to see that that, that seems to be growing. Mm -hmm. The demand seems to be there, mm -hmm. right? And, and I think with, with our rubber industry in a sort of a... Um, at a you know, developing with big factories and we've got a reputation for being the third, one of the largest uh, solid rubber tire mm -hmm. companies in the world. I mean, when you look at the world map and you take Sri Lanka and we are top in the world in a few items like that volume-wise also, I it's incredible, mm -hmm. I think. So we have an opportunity. Now, one of the things we are also doing is doing a z uh, uh, trying to design a, a export processing zone where we get uh, import rubber for re-export, mm -hmm. so that it doesn't go into the local market, but you know, do do uh, things like that for coconut because we have a short supply of coconuts, but we have a high reputation for coconuts out of Sri Lanka, mm -hmm. and and of course the industry is quite mature. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I'd like to ask a few questions yes. on re-exports too because we've been yeah. talking about quality and standards. Yes. Uh, Sri Lanka has faced a few challenges uh, when it comes to re-exports in the past. But again, coming back to uh, the statistics, uh, you were talking about your expectations for the rubber and manufacturing industry to lead exports growth this year and beyond. Uh, 2020 and 2021, what exports, um, what areas or sectors showed promise and what contributed to this uh, yeah. growth? Tea, rubber and coconut, mm -hmm. uh, rubber and coconut mostly, okay. and even tea did uh, fairly well. Um, and the next down the line for plantations would be cinnamon and pepper and, and uh, erica nut and, you know, quite a few others, cloves, essential oils, oleoresins, things like that where we add value. Mm -hmm. Those are down the line with the agricultural products. I see there is like a year-on-year 100% year growth on, in some areas. Mm -hmm. So I think we have a lot more opportunity for, for expansion in that area because Sri Lanka is getting recognized for this high-value agricultural, mm -hmm. clean, you know, now like our spices. In, in general, spices do not use, because most of our spices come from home gardens. Okay, and they don't apply chemicals, so they are clean. Organic. Organic, SDs. yeah, and that's a huge hmm. brand value in being organic in the world, you know. Many countries are looking at us very seriously, and I know because most of them visit me or talk to me about things, um, and they are all very excited about doing organic in Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. I think it's time we take a short commercial break here at Hyde Park. We'll return with more. We're in conversation with the Chairman of Export Development Board. Welcome back. I'm in conversation with the Chairman of Export Development Board, Mr. Suresh Demel, figuring out whether exports can lead Sri Lanka's economic revival going forward. Uh, I think you've answered this question, what we can do and what Sri Lanka's potential is. Um, talk to us, explain to us, Mr. Demel, about uh, Sri Lanka's export products. Let's talk about tea, apparels. We, ha we have some amazing products in Sri Lanka. You were talking about spices, how exclusive they are, uh, uh, what reputation we have globally. We've been talking about this for millennia about how, how Sri Lanka has uh, gained that reputation for organic exclusive products, high quality, but yet we seem to be um, having obstacles in capturing larger markets. There, there seems to be challenges. Certain brands have made it big, but yet other brands seem to have challenges. But, but as, as an industry, uh, when we talk about these sectors, tea, rubber, um, apparel, What's what's really the challenge that we face here? Okay, I think you you mentioned a word that I like to emphasize on, and that is larger markets. We should be looking at high value markets and not larger markets. I mean, there's a big difference because a high value market is what's going to add value to our product, and people are going to add value. The larger markets, people will send as commodity. Now, if you analyze Sri Lanka's uh, exports, we will find that a larger market gives you quick money and you can ship everything, right? 
you can you don't have to quality control <laughs> as much as you do in a up up market uh, high value added mm -hmm. product so my encouragement is we need to get you know like the agriculture department the export agriculture department all of us need to pull together to improve post harvest technology mostly okay because i think our product is grown and if we go organic which we are starting to do more and more I think we have that brand. Now we need sort of microbiology mm -hmm. uh, controls, uh, clean water use, mm -hmm. uh, better handling, better processing, uh, storage, transport, all that. There is a lot of opportunity for investment, you know, cold chains and dry uh, um, dehydration mm -hmm. and things like that. Now, that is how you add value because if otherwise you will be said yes we have big markets that we can look at right but I'm I prefer to look at the high-value markets because Sri Lanka doesn't have unlimited supply like most countries do even whether it's for production or raw material mm -hmm. we are not a you know if you look at the world map we, we are not that significant in, in in volumes right so we have to go for value like even in our tourism we have to look at value per tourist rather than numbers of tourists so that's an attitude that's a, that's an attitude change that we all have to do is that we are going for not the number market but the value market they, it's you know very important i think if people actually say hey are we going for the numbers or are we going for value that that, that makes sense here we're talking about numbers against volume Volume can do nothing if you don't uh, get, get the necessary revenue, the, the forex uh, yeah. revenue that you um, desire for the country. Uh, you are talking about looking at high value markets, but here we are talking about several players in any sector. Uh, for them to fetch greater prices, what, how does that work here? We see, some, like I mentioned, some brands have made it big globally, whether it's tea, apparel, while others are still struggling. But, but uh, I think some of these bigger brands too face struggles because of uh, smaller brands. But as an industry, how do we bring them together and create a policy network where um, we go out to the world as Ceylon or Sri Lanka, brands that represent Sri Lanka? You, you brought up tea and apparel. Mm -hmm. I think there is a comparison there that we can use. Now, apparel brand value they are maintaining it they have no challenge they only have a shortage of labor other than that i think we can we can produce raw material which we are which we are working on in Neravur with textile plants and mm -hmm. things like that then that can improve our net foreign exchange for apparel so i believe that the apparel industry is a good example now tea on the other hand we have an issue because we have value-added tea which maybe sells for 5000 rupees and then we have commodity that's being also Ceylon tea being traded at 1000 rupees. Mm -hmm. So then it's tough for the value-added people to compete with that commodity that is coming you know in the same market it's both Ceylon tea. Mm -hmm. but. It, it, so the packaging and marketing and all that. Now, if everybody came together on that high quality export out of Sri Lanka, we can overshare that profit. But what role can the Export Development Board, uh, the EDB, play here in, in, you know, mitigating this? Issue? Yes, this is what we are the, the the message, you know, and that's 
part of why I am here to talk to you because I think that's the most important message we have to uh, get out to people, even my staff. I'm like a broken record when it comes to this and I'm saying value addition, value addition, value addition because if you ask low-hanging fruit, it's kind of funny because it's fruits and vegetables. 50% of it is going waste because of the lack of value addition and, and post-harvest uh, investment or, or management. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think if we can if we can understand that and people invest in that high value as opposed to volume, mm -hmm. I think we've won half the battle or more. And I think a massive campaign would also be needed to bring them together to True. create that, that shift uh, towards a high value market or for them True. to uh, prepare themselves uh, to, to... And you know, I think we need to create platforms where people who are successful can come together and share their experience because today there is too much negative uh, discussion because there is a lot of positive things that the, those guys, you know, like we have 350 organic certified exporters out of Sri Lanka. We have 12,000 organic certified uh, producers, farmers in Sri Lanka. And that in itself is a celebration, you know. And, and, but that didn't come out in these lot of discussions that went on, you know. Mm -hmm. And we have to see there are so many people manufacturing organic uh, fertilizer. But unfortunately, you know, people like to fish in troubled waters. So there are people who come and do things that are low quality to earn a lot of money quickly mm -hmm. so that also messes up the the you know so I mean it is up to our network of uh, officers government officers who are in the regions also all of us have to come on one page and we have so many you know so many organizations so many ministries so many but we have to create a collaborative there was like one policy we need to do is to figure out how are we going to create a collaborative framework where all our ministries and agencies, departments and the regional departments, you know, all that work together. So because there is engagement. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely, absolutely. That's very important, I uh, think. You did mention about um, uh, uh, the sectors you expect to lead uh, export growth this year rubber and manufacturing related uh, industries? Yes, uh, well, rubber is unique in mm -hmm. a way. Most of these uh, in the area are somewhat unique. You know, we couldn't say that manufacturing will lead Sri Lanka because we have a shortage of labor. Mm -hmm. Yes, if we automate, okay? So maybe there is an opportunity to invest heavily into automation and for our electronic and electrical mm -hmm. goods, which we are seeing uh, growth year on year. Uh, there are certain industries, yes, that can have a production uh, growth. But in general, I believe that we should be looking at adding value, mm -hmm. whether it is our agricultural products or, or, uh, or other uh, merchandise, mm -hmm. you know. And I think uh, the opportunities that have been created through uh, the COVID time, even our IT software, mm -hmm. all that. And now we are getting exposed, you know, the EDB has also promoted uh, a brand called Island of Ingenuity and, and that's being promoted around the world. People are talking about it. 
and people are talking about the talent that is available mm. in Sri Lanka. Now those are the things that we have to celebrate because I think that will create success breeds success. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what we have to show that we have successful industries who are doing outstanding things, who are the best in the world, you know, and then more people will invest. And uplift the brand Sri Lanka. Yeah, I um, mean, we've, you know, in the last 40 years, we've now my industry is 40 years old and we've been in the top of the world for 40 years, right? And we went through wars and all kinds of tsunamis and pandemics. Now we are still resilient and we can do it, mm, you know? Yeah. And we don't allow policy to affect us too much because we, you know, try to do, do these things uh, without worrying about uh, all that. Certainly. Uh, I'd like to get back to uh, your, uh, what, what you mentioned about the rubber industry. Yes, uh, we have top-notch uh, rubber industry players. Uh, you, you did mention we're looking at re-exports. Um, th there were certain uh, challenges Sri Lanka faced at different uh, times uh, when we re-export products that we uh, import into the country with the intention of re-exporting, whether it's tea uh, or, or certain products. So how do we look at uh, mitigating these challenges and avoiding substandard products from coming into the country and going out of Sri Lanka with the Ceylon brand? Yeah, no. Now, even rubber, we will have to be transparent. The world will have to know that we it is not 100% rubber. I mean, uh, like Ceylon tea, mm -hmm. we don't. If we are going to sell it as Ceylon tea, we don't want to bring any any other tea into Sri Lanka. Mm -hmm. If the value of Sri Lankan tea is in Ceylon tea, then we should not be bringing anything else. Rubber, we don't sell rubber as Ceylon rubber. Okay, someone buying a tire doesn't care whether it came from Ceylon or anywhere else, as long as we maintain high quality. So, if companies like Michelin and other big, you know, our GRI and all these top-notch companies are going to import rubber and re-export, I have no issue with that. Coconut products, the same way. Coconut, okay, our coconut milk, coconut water, all that, virgin coconut oil, all that is very important that it is high quality Ceylon stuff. But if we are going to do shell products and, you know, things like that, it's okay. Mm. Like food products, we have to try to maintain the Sri Lankan identity, but mm. beyond that, uh, non-food uh, products, I think it's okay to import for re-export. Um, the forex uh, matter we are talking about, the shortage of uh, uh, foreign exchange has been a major stumbling block in uh, the past year or more. Now, the government has also been pleading uh, with exporters to repatriate earnings. What kind of mediation uh, is happening here? Uh, and uh, are exporters doing their part to to support the government here? I think they are. Mm -hmm. I think everybody that I have talked to um, is bringing in as much money as they can mm -hmm. and not sort of uh, uh, fishing in trouble water and, and keeping their money overseas. But there are some legitimate instances where companies do need foreign exchange for expansion maybe, for, for buying extra product at a certain time maybe. You know, there are certain times of the year when we can buy, for me, my personal experience mm -hmm. is that I buy raw material which comes to me at a discount, mm. okay? So now I can't. If I, if I balance it out over the year, then, then I won't be able to uh, take advantage of that discount. So we have, you know, everybody has a small issue, mm -hmm. not a small, some have huge issues that people who have borrowed uh, foreign currency, you know? And, and then for an investor, it's a, it's a real headache. 
to think of a foreign exchange crisis and and would you you know investing in Sri Lanka becomes a, a big uh, issue in a, in a situation like this. So those are the negative sides. But does that mean uh, we uh, you don't see export related investments, investments targeting exports happening here uh, currently or is, is, is there a... There are, there are many, many. I think the BOI would have the data. I don't have mm -hmm. the data on that. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of, in there is a lot of interest in, in uh, uh, especially agriculture. I know I've talked to a lot of people who are interested in investing in agriculture in Sri Lanka mm -hmm. for export. Um, uh, another uh, question I wanted to ask you was about the tourism sector. Uh, you, you play, uh, you're a tourism entrepreneur too. Uh, do you think Sri Lanka is ready now uh, to, to catch that next big wave of tourism arrivals? Um, Attitude-wise, no. Product-wise, yes. Because I think we need to again look at this high-value tourist, you know, and and we need to upgrade our 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 product to to meet that demand, you know. And uh, I believe uh, promotion and marketing and all that is great, but but maintaining the product and upgrading the product is is more important at this point in time because uh, a bad message from a, from a, you know, poorly managed uh, tourism area mm -hmm. will will do more damage to uh, than than the promotion can uh, capture. You know, because today you know the reviews, everybody looks at a review before you go. You know, I even to travel in Sri Lanka, I look at you know Booking.com and the reviews, and I decide whether I want to go to that hotel or not. So, and some of those reviews stay stay there for years. Mm -hmm bad reviews you yeah. know <laughs> so we have to be very careful in a world like today where most customers go online to check on the especially tourism uh, we have to keep having a good reputation being built you know we don't want to do anything to upset that uh, reputation that we are gaining mm -hmm. at this time uh, we don't have much time on the program but um, a few questions the SME sector, especially exporters, uh, the small exporters also, they've been hard hit. Is, is there anything happening uh, through the EDB or is the government doing enough to protect these uh, SME players? Well, that's another million dollar question because the SMEs don't seem to be reaching out either, okay? Because I think that if, you n if, if, if an SME needs help, they need to come and share their issues mm -hmm. in a way that it can be solved, not just ask for money. Even the banks are struggling to help SMEs because there isn't a good enough reason to give the SME a loan. So their financial literacy or their communication skills mm -hmm. are quite poor. So there is, I mean, SME means a vast, you know, they are not a homogeneous, uh, uh, group, you know, we have the informal SME, the partially formal SME, and then the, the very, uh, uh, you know, the Colombo SME mm -hmm. or the, or the <laughs> empowered SME, right? So we, we can't, again, I think part of the challenge with SME is that we should not do sort of one-size-fits-all solutions because right. we have the informal sector, we have the micros, we have the SMEs, so all that, you know, it's, uh, it's complicated. And 
with the informal sector it also upsets our data mm -hmm. right we, we don't know whether they're actually in SME or are they medium are they large are they small mm -hmm. so those are also complications now I work with a lot of SMEs around the country with the district chambers of commerce I think we need to empower the regional institutional or private sector institutional capacities to, to empower the SMEs in the regions, because okay. that's where most of the SMEs are. Otherwise, they follow these informal methods of doing things, mm -hmm. and they will lag behind because of that. And they, they don't, you know, as much as we need, you know, the big business needs to bend down, the small business also had to be, has to be taught to reach mm -hmm. up. Yeah. That's part of the problem. I think both sides are, there's a gap, <laughs> you know. Uh, what are your thoughts on inculcating entrepreneurship, um, th uh, that, that, that culture among young people, among the youth? Uh, that's my, my favorite subject, pet subject. You know, building uh, well-networked ecosystems. Okay, people are struggling for lack of awareness or information, you know, in a day-to-day -day when your smartphone has everything, you know. 40 years ago when we started businesses, we didn't even have a fax machine. Mm -hmm. It used to take a month and a half to get a letter across, right? Today, all that is instant. And if you think that we cannot develop exports or any uh, tourism or anything with this kind of information in our hand, then, you know, obviously, we need to look at the, uh, the opportunities we have and exploit those. People have a tendency, most people, to look at why they cannot do something, not why they can do something. So th there are a lot of attitude issues in, in Sri Lanka to develop, especially with the SMEs. So we have to create a sort of a hype for this can-do uh, mentality, you know. Uh, maybe we can get all our agencies and authorities okay. together exactly. to create that culture. Mm -hmm. To end uh, tonight's uh, discussion, what positives are we looking at here in Sri Lanka as we talk about uh, export-led revival for the Sri Lankan economy, as we talk about challenges, and yet you said we have been resilient throughout regardless of the challenges Sri Lanka faced. But what positives can uh, drive Sri Lanka towards this yes. now? Now, we were talking about awareness. Now, awareness is very important mm -hmm. all across, right? Now, post-COVID, we have an opportunity that we did not have two years ago, and that is virtual conferencing, okay? Today, we have bandwidth that is unbelievable. I had a meeting with the South China Consulate. We had an awareness uh, program with 12,000 participants, okay? Now, physically, that would have been 50. Mm -hmm. In Sri Lanka, the biggest SME participation I ever had was 150 physically, right? Today we have 2,000 participating in a webinar. So we have some fantastic opportunity now to communicate, mm. to communicate, to market our products, to market, to, to improve our supply chains, to improve our attitudes, right? So we have to now do programs that, that Enhance now. This is what I'm. I'm going to be in Jaffna this weekend to see how we can connect Jaffna to Colombo through Zoom. Sometimes, if you you know through through virtual conferencing, because you don't have to come to Colombo and meet the chairman 
in Colombo and spend 15,000 rupees and two days to come to Colombo mm. to mm. do that. Mm. You know, you can just get online and I won't be even wearing a mask. If they came physically, I'd be wearing a mask. So there are some positives that we can celebrate. Because I can just be on a screen talking to, talking to people. Mm. And that, I think, is a fantastic opportunity if we grab that. Right. And I think on that note, it's time we wrap up tonight's discussion uh, on exports and Sri Lanka's economic revival. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Dimel, for joining us, for sharing your thoughts and expertise here at Hyde Park. Thank you for the opportunity, Indivari. Thank you very much. We had with us uh, Chairman of EDB Export Development Board, Mr. Suresh Dimel, joining us here at Hyde Park on Adha Dharana 24. Have a pleasant evening. Good night.